2: Hi, and welcome to the EM Weekly Show, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe, speaking. This is a special edition of EM Weekly, and it is the first of a series of webinar-based discussion panels that we have planned for the EM community, and it is completely free for you and the panel some webinars are 45-minute ads about a product that you may or not have any interest in here at ian weekly we wanted to bring you an entire different experience a more interactive experience you get to engage in the conversations as it's going on and you know no boring powerpoints like and no product sale pitch at the end Enjoy the replay of the webinar, The Future of Emergency Notification, with special guest Kelly McKinney, Steve Kerr, and Vic Marginian. And this is hosted by me, Todd DeVoe. All right, everybody, it's 10 o'clock. Welcome to the webinar that we're going to be talking about, The Future of Emergency Notification. Um, And this is sponsored by the Emergency Management Leadership Conference that's going to be held this May. Uh, from the 29th to 30th in Phoenix, Arizona, and if you guys have never been to Phoenix, Arizona, May is a good time to be there because you don't want to be there in August when it's super hot. But May, it's beautiful, and you get to see great uh, desert sunsets. Um, our panel is made up of emergency man. Uh, excuse me. Our panel is made up of uh, emergency managers and uh, people from mass communication. So we have uh, uh, Vic. Raise your hand, Vic. Right. Uh, And he is from Titan HST. And Titan is one of our sponsors. um, But however, today, he is just a participant in the panel. And then uh, we have Kelly McKinney um, here from the EM side of the house. And he has, he'll tell his little history of himself. And then we got Steve Kerr uh, from the power and utility side. And then, of course, um, up in the corner from Titan is Serene. And she's going to be helping moderate some of the questions that come in. So welcome. The rules of the game, Um, we will raise our hand if you guys have a question, please do raise your hand and um, or you can also um, do your question via uh, via chat or or typing it and typing it in. If you have a question, raise your hand, we will call on you and you can talk to the panelists. So again, this is a bunch of professional emergency managers here. And we're going to keep everything professional. If you don't agree with what somebody said, please, um, you know, you can keep that opinion to yourself or you can talk about why you disagree with them. Uh, But we're not going to uh, tolerate any kind of personal attacks or name calling here. And again, use the question and answer button to ask questions. And other than that, uh, let's get started. So let's start with Vic. Vic, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why are you here today?
3: My name is Vic and I am the founder and CEO of Titan HST. We're an emergency two-way communication platform. And, um, you know, the reason why we're here and and the reason really that motivated us to get into this kind of sector is we faced a number of uh, personal emergencies with friends, families, and we were looking around and in each instance people were searching for help surrounded by a sea of people and really not able to find help in a manner that was efficient, effective, and frankly quick enough. And so we decided, you know, everyone's ordering food from apps, everyone is dating via apps, and why not, you know, create the need and, and create something that we would want to use? And so we created something that was uh, next gen and added some technologies like augmented reality, real-time translation, uh, mesh networking, and and we're just really committed to helping people stay safe during emergencies.
2: Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what got you here today.
0: Uh, well, I'm a mechanical engineer. Got into the emergency management business about 18 years ago. Um, and uh, I was at the city of New York OEM for almost eight years. I was a chief disaster officer for the American Red Cross. Now I'm a head of emergency management for a large healthcare system, about 40,000 employees. Um, and uh, when, I, when I was at OEM, we, um, we started Notify NYC, which is, a, which is a, a public messaging direct, one-way blast public messaging um, and, uh, learned a lot of lessons from that about how to roll that out and the complex challenges around that here we have, uh, you know, we, we know that communication is job one, right? Uh, what we tell people when we tell them who we tell, um, uh, is, uh, is the, 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 mission. And, uh, um, you know, that's, um, that's, we just live at 24,
2: seven. And Steve. Same question.
1: Hey, hello, everybody. Uh, My name is Steve Kerr. I am the uh, head of Emergency Management and Continuity for Colorado Springs Utilities here in Colorado's second largest city. We serve a population of about 500,000, and we're one of the largest public power providers in the nation. We provide uh, also um, gas, uh, water, and wastewater services to the population in some rural communities outside of the city. I, too, have a background in New York City. I'm a New York City transplant. I was uh, with New York City Emergency Management, although I preceded Kelly by a few years, so we we didn't work together at the agency, but we did work together at another time. I have state emergency management experience as well. (laughs) So from a communications perspective, my team and I are responsible for making uh, notifications to our workforce and using communication technologies to share situational awareness in order to create a common operating picture with our leadership our crisis management team and emergency managers throughout the region. From the workforce perspective, we're talking about, to some extent, life safety. We could issue using technology shelter in place, uh, run, hide, fight, um, active shooter good type of uh, notifications. We're also responsible for making community uh, notifications to communities where we have reservoir and dam infrastructure, which is across eleven counties. Should we have an emergency at one of our dams. And we we test those communication processes annually, regularly, and we do uh, communications exercises with the emergency managers in those counties. So here we are in Colorado.
2: Outstanding. So one of the reasons why we decided to come into this conversation and talking to everybody on the panel offline was some of the issues that occurred up in Northern California this year. And then not just there, um, there's been history. Colorado had an issue, too, where the mass communication system that they were using um, failed. And so there's been a lot of conversation in the emergency management world about mass communication. What does it mean? And what can we do outside of just using organizations like Titan um, to get the message out to our our people? So I'm going to start a little bit here. When I was working uh, for a city in Orange County, um, where we have a nuclear power plant down the street, one of the things that we have, we're in what we call the EPZ, the merchant planning zone, and we had to have uh, outdoor sirens. It's part of what the federal government requires in those areas and so we were realistically using the siren system to tell people to go ahead and turn on the radio to get more information didn't mean to evacuate didn't mean anything like that and so we did a whole bunch of public education of what the sirens mean and also had voice capabilities too later on but that's what we so sirens so I think sirens are still a viable uh, secondary or at least a notification system to get people to turn on their notification. Other one that we've been talking about as well is the National Weather Service radios and using those the same um, product that's in there uh, to notify people if they have national, serv- national Weather Service radios in their home and to encourage that use of those things. So those are some of the outside of the box, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, uses. So starting with Kelly, what would you like to see happen in emergency management in the notification side of the house to reach our residents and, and, uh, visitors.
0: Well, so, so I'm an end user, right. And, uh, that means that I, um, I, I don't, um, I don't have a deep knowledge of the technology. I just understand how I use it and what I have expectations about what it's going to do. You know, the, the, the issue for me is that, um, is really in our ops, in our emergency ops. When an emergency manager is involved in a job, that means the job is a is a is a bigger job. It's a it's a large scale job. It's a complex job. And those those incidents are characterized. Um, they, they all look the same. And 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 because the demand for um, communication, the demand for coordination is uh, it peaks at what we call time zero. It, it's it, the, in the beginning of the job is when. Uh, it w- is a time of maximum chaos and so that is that means that it's not enough for emergency managers to do a lot of things um, at the same time they really have to do everything all at once right and that's the reason that things go wrong is because that's difficult to do right it's difficult to it's difficult to execute a series of complex operations and, and tasks all across a, a large area um, error free and but with communication it, it you know the expectation is that it will be error free and so you need the bandwidth to do that. You need the, you need the individuals, you need the people that are trained and have the protocols in place. So they know what they're going to do. They know when they're going to do it and, and they have a technology that's going to be consistent and work for them consistently. And, uh, and so they have to, they have to set an expectation on the part of the, 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 you know, the bosses, the strategic level of their organization, and they have to meet that expectation amongst uh, you know, everybody else in the organization, whether it be, um, you know the boots on the ground, or uh, or agencies, or, or whatever. So it's a very difficult challenge that we have. The technology, uh, 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 you know, we talked about this yesterday. We we got together a little bit. The technology is getting better and better and better, and and we're not getting better, and 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 we we need to get better. Uh, the other, the last thing I'll say is that you know we um, you know this country, we have we have we have fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, first responder agencies and emergency management agencies, but we all work in these silos. You know, we work in townships and we work in villages and counties and states and at a national level. And, and uh, all of our communication systems are different. And uh, there's different protocols, there's different expectations, there's different people that use them. Um, we need to work harder to bring that together.
1: Steve. You know, I, I think that's a great segue into talking a little bit about policy. 2018 started um, from a communications perspective in the emergency management community with a false alert of a nuclear missile attack in Hawaii. Uh, That was, I dare say, a failure in emergency warning and communications. From there, we saw a series of emergency communication challenges over the course of the year. Uh, There was a, a false alert of a tsunami on the East Coast that was issued, I believe, Uh, Shortly after the Hawaii Alert, uh, there was the wildfires throughout California, but principally in Sonoma, which was uh, uh, heavily scrutinized, Sonoma County heavily scrutinized for their emergency management uh, communications failures, and to their credit, they have made improvements improvements to the point of re Restructuring their emergency management operation, hiring a new emergency management director, and appointing public warning specialists. So there is opportunity uh, for for policy improvement. And then we saw some questions about emergency communications in the uh, w- with hurricanes. So from a policy perspective. Uh, What I think we need to do as an emergency management community is we need to take a look introspectively and and find out why, why are we delaying or not sending emergency communications. We need to identify at its root cause uh, is there are there technology uh, opportunities for improvement? Are there policy opportunities for improvement? Are there people above us as emergency managers that are encouraging us not to send warnings out and to that extent. Is our opportunity to orient and bring our leaders in to help them understand what emergency messaging is about? So when we have to issue, perhaps uh, if a community emergency manager has to issue an evacuation warning, it comes from the highest authority, um, the county administrator, the the city mayor, etc. So I think that's I think that's a good start of conversation there, Tom.
2: Vic coming from the industry side, what can we do as a full two two full question for you, Vic. What can we do as emergency managers to utilize systems better? And the second thing is is what can the industry do to help with ensuring that messages get out in a timely fashion? because I know some of the issues um, have been uh, throttling and things like that, and then some of the issues as well has been the fact that not everybody has downloaded the app. Or, or things like this, what can you guys do as an industry to help us uh, ensure messages are out in a timely manner?
3: Yeah, Todd, that's a good question, and I think we boil this down into two primary categories. I think the first category, um, and to the credit of everyone else who, who's speaking here, you know, I think you're looking at a, a sector that is generally always looking at improving the current system, but it's, you know, it's like looking at a keyboard and always trying to come up with a better keyboard. But at some point, you know, when Apple like, moved to the touchscreen, right? that's no longer mechanical. So everyone is looking, you, you've got these siren systems, these radio, everyone's looking at, hey, what's, how can we take this old school thing and modernize it by making it now? You know, when, if it was a siren, now it's a text message, now it's whatever. And I think you've got to fundamentally move away from that and look at, hey, what's, you, know, you can always build a better car. The best car you build is never gonna get you to the moon. If you wanna to get to the moon, you've gotta figure out how to build a spaceship. And so I think the first piece of that is saying, look, the systems we have are okay, but we have access to so much more technology now. How can we add a new layer of this? And to the second point, what I think, and, and really what we've seen, is you're right. One of the things we believe in is reaching people on every medium. These days, everyone is carrying a phone with them, right? And and that's not a reality that was true 25, 30 years ago. And so you've got to reach people, and that's something we believe in, in every method, so phone. If you have the app if you don't then text message email phone call web twitter facebook hit people in every medium including getting the people who may have either visual or hearing disabilities because those are some of the most vulnerable populations so get those people as well too which is why you've got to get into the accessibility requirements and then as much as everyone's always focused on, and, and you know, people always talk about, well, as an emergency provider, what is your back end like? And and yes, you should be asking your emergency communication provider: Do they have redundant infrastructure? Do they have this? Do they have that? But the failure is almost always on the front end. It's not the back end. It's the cell towers that melted. It's the power that was cut. It was the fiber that was disrupted. And so you've got to ask yourself: Are you looking at something that a everyone has access to, such as on just general phones? And B, is it something that can work even when the networks are done? Are they utilizing things like mesh networking where the devices can connect directly even when the networks have failed? And I think that's where the discussion needs to move as far as policy and all that. Yes, we have had historically these other systems and I'm not saying to gut those systems, but there's so much more on the table now and why isn't there a new standard that's being adopted? And that's what I would leave that with.
2: So one of our attendees uh, wrote, um, alert and warning technology growth areas, one, smart TV using CAP to interrupt and maybe even turn on smart TVs, two, broadcasting to streaming services, um, a traditional look at EAS broadcast, um, but received by TV, by streaming services such as Netflix or Amazon and so forth, um, and then uh, growth in the network mapping technology, such as Waze connected to citizen programs. Um, anybody want to jump on that and, and kind of address those, that area?
3: You know, Steve, Steve uh, just to throw you on, on uh, the spot a little bit, I mean, yesterday when we were talking, you were mentioning about how even established systems like IPAWS are being underutilized and maybe not always working exactly as intended. So I think maybe, you know, the question that's being brought up here might tie into the points you were bringing up earlier about, you know, how much things like this work or, or, or not necessarily work or are not, you know, implemented.
1: Well, you, you know, that's a good point. I think IPAWS has, it, has its limitations. Uh, because, uh, to my knowledge, at, at current, and I understand that this is under development uh, at FEMA, uh, you can't you can't really geofence locations. So when you send out a message, it typically goes out to a large population, to the whole county. So the challenge for emergency managers now to use IPaWS is to is to use very, very specific messaging or, or narrative within the message so as, as to direct what populations are, what communities within that Population are being affected, and I don't think that should that should stop emergency managers from using iPause. But the use of these services that you're that you're suggesting that that, that the participant is suggesting uh, sounds like a good idea. If we can connect those to uh, to or to our subscriber-based uh, systems, uh, commercial systems, whatever they may be, you know, we use um, X system, and you know Vic has his system, and. Uh, the county has their system, et cetera. So streaming services, Netflix, regular TV, which, you know, IPOS alerts do come over is certainly is, is certainly an option I'd, I'd like to explore. One more thing, though. I think, you know, to some extent we need a um, we need a combination of um, brick and mortar, pen and pencil and high technology, because the technology is not always going to be available, just as uh, as Vic has stated. Um, Uh, You know, in the in the preceding hours and days of a hurricane arriving on the East Coast or in a Gulf state, there is time for planning and there is availability of technology to do messaging. But if you have a sudden onset event like an earthquake or wildfire, major power outage, the technology might not be available. And and you got to go back to figuring out how you're going to pound the pavement and make those calls. I had a discussion this morning with the head of our um, uh, Aries operation here in Pikes Peak region. Uh, a, a, a virtual conversation and he uh expressed that there's opportunity to use ham radio operators even see old school cb radio uh and he uh he told me a story about the what we call the 117 wildfire a story that i didn't know about that ham radio operators absent uh technology were able to make notification and some lives were saved this is in a community south of colorado springs so i think when we when we incorporate um police officers pounding on, on the pavement with uh ham radio operators. Uh, I think that needs to be further developed and the use of, of high technology that Vic is, is suggesting uh, I think we start to build a better system. So
2: another, actually I think it's the same. I want to say it's Mary Jo, but I'm not sure, but automation technologies can be utilized. Um, uh, this is then the IF, TTT uh, to turn on uh, IoT devices when the um, action occurs for example a resident receives an email from an alerting authority within the home through the IFTTT recipe can turn on the Philips Hue bulb so Vic do you want to you want to take that you know I guess the question is here is what kind of technology can we really increase and I and what I I'm assuming this is talking about and I'm sorry to the uh, attendee who wrote this that I'm, I'm not up on that terminology. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about like those home devices where you could turn on your TVs and lights and stuff like that just by, by your app. Um, yeah. You-, I,
3: you know, I, I've, I've got thoughts on that too. So I love the home automation stuff. I, I truly love it. And my whole house, you know, I, I know I'm probably gonna offend half the people here. I'm in the Apple camp. So my home as a home kit. It's not uh, the Google side of things, but I'll tell you, so over the weekend, I installed uh, five or six smart home detectors in my, uh, in my house, and they do the CO and the smoke detection, and I've got the smart door locks and all that kind of stuff, all home kit. And, and Apple's ecosystem generally works well. So uh, with the heavy rains that we've got that came through, uh, I do have a couple flood sensors. Those flood sensors are, by definition, connected to the internet. And when the rain came through and the power went out, the internet went out. So, um, you know, I think one of the funny things with all this home automation and all that, it goes back to a fundamental point. It's great in most instances, but it comes back down to the the availability of the infrastructure, which is why I strongly believe that we need to be pushing towards next-gen technologies like mesh networking, again, where even if there's no network connectivity, things are working. One example I will highlight with that is that uh, one of our customers is, is one of the larger um, or large, the largest ho- hotel systems in, in the world and they were mentioning a site and there was a hurricane coming through and the hurricane came through afterwards and they went around and they started sticking post-it notes on all of the doors to give people advice on what to do. And they came to us after the emergency and, and they said, you know, uh, you know, we wanna talk to you, we wanna talk about a system like yours because they're saying during the, we had all this time, all this lead time to Steve's earlier point, a lot of these emergencies, they don't just, they don't hit like that. You have some prep time. And so the question is, what are you going to do during that prep time to tell people or to Todd's point, you know, you're training people with what to do with the science. You've got to have those procedures in place ahead of time. And then when the time hits, have a technology that's going to work, even when nothing else, you've got to be cognizant of the, of the fact that the infrastructure may not be available, so relying on things that are going to connect to the infrastructure, I think, is a very dangerous uh, because people rest on their laurels. But I'll turn it over to other people to comment on that uh, point as well.
1: Well, to some extent, you're talking about infrastructure that's operated by major national companies. We're yeah. talking cell towers that are operated by Verizon, Sprint, AT and T, whomever. We're talking about hardline infrastructure, microwaves. So. These are a lot of things we as emergency managers have little control over, but we would hope that our corporate partners are doing their part.
2: So Aaron, um, one of our guests here, Aaron Silverman, has been making some points here on the chat talking about like the fact that we have made some missteps um, with communication, specifically with emergency managers and maybe even the decision makers not understanding the capabilities that we already have, such as the iPods and being able to geofence those since 2017, um, those things. And Aaron, thank you for for bringing those points up. And then a couple other questions that came in regarding that type of stuff is the better system, quote unquote, uh, should not be to completely uh, depreciate the legacy warning systems, uh, but they should also be layered upon alongside. And network dependent solutions are strong as the weakest link. And that's so true. And I'm sorry, I forgot who wrote that one um, are so true. And um, if there's a failure into uh, within the affected area, the desired warning system is not achieved, and it simply fails less. So I, I'm, I think that's a really good point that one of the listeners was saying as well. And I want to come back to the technology stuff. And, and I want to bring Kelly into the conversation because Kelly is an end user and that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm not a techie guy by any means. Um, and, and so understand the infrastructure, but as those of us that have to push the button, how do we do it? And one of the questions is, is who should be authorized to push that button to, to send the message out and how do we use it as end user? So Kelly, why don't you go ahead and take that.
0: You know, so the thing about an uh, emergency management is it it has to work across um, all levels of uh, of the jurisdiction or the organization. So it has to work from the strategic level down. It has the strategic level being the, the elected official, the the mayor or the county exec or the president, right? And 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 you work all the way down to. Uh, you know, to as Vic said, the the uh, you know the senior citizen in their home on oxygen that needs help, right? And so you've got to work across all those layers, right? And and it's the hardest hardest thing in the world to to, to do that to to um, to have the boss understand what you're going to execute uh, from a strategic perspective, uh, and then be able to actually uh, affect that that action on the ground is uh, is the hardest job in the world, and that's why emergency managers have the hardest job in the world, right? And so the the answer to the question is, you know, is that you know, cause we're, we're just, we're just an extension of the strategic level. We're the extension of, of, of I'm a, you know, if I, if I'm work for city government, I work for the mayor and the, what does the mayor uh, need to do? And what is the mayor telling the people of the city or the people of a neighborhood that's affected by a disaster? And what am I going to execute on the ground? That's, that's the, that's the, the job. And so it, the, that's what the, where the communications comes in. Right. Um, Steve talked about it, right. So Sonoma, Sonoma County, was an example of a place where there was, a, there was a, a visible failure of public communications. And what did they do? They do what they always do when emergency managers fail. They, ju- they, they convened a, a group of, of wise men and women, you know, with the gray hair and they went through and they did interviews and they did the, 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 you know, the investigation and they issued a report. And they said, here's what happened. Here's what went wrong. And here's how to fix it. And how do they fix it? Well, they, they they fix it the way they always did is they said that emergency management agency didn't have the bandwidth and the capability to execute the mission that everybody thought it was executing. So let's give it a lot more money. I think they gave it another seven million dollars. Let's hire another ten people. Let's let's hire a, a you know a, a a professional emergency manager to run the organization. And that's where you start. That's where it's got to start. You've got to have the the organization that can execute. So the the technology discussions to me, are granular. They're very granular, right? They're, they're beyond what, what people do. They're what systems do. And, and to me, I mean, if I sat in a room with Vic and I said, Vic, I need my system to do X, I, I have a feeling he can figure out how to, how to make it happen, right? And so, so it's, it's really about what, what we're, uh, what the expectation is on the part of, of the people that we work for to to um, to the people that they're obligated to, which is the public, right? and so the last the last piece I'll say is that you know I've had, I had a conversation with uh, there was a startup in in Ireland last week, and they were talking about their system, which You know, is is much more. They call it hyperlocal. So, so a individual police commander on the ground or an individual, uh, you know, fire chief on the ground can be talking to everybody within a three building radius of where they're standing. Right? What's happening? What's happening with this building fire? What's happening with the smoke coming out of this building? What's happening with the, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know what what actions should you take? Right? Because if you say what actions should you take to to the borough of Brooklyn? you know, you're talking to, uh, you're talking to two and a half million people and you right. and, and there's no there's very few actions that two and a half million people all need to take at the same time. And so, so it's about what, you know, what is the expectation on the part of the people that, that, that uh, um, are, are accountable to the, 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 the citizens and how do we meet that? And, and the, 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 the fact is there is no story to tell right now. If if if, uh, if Brock Long walked into the White House and the in, into the Oval Office and said, boss, here's the story on public warning and public community. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. It You know, it, in my experience, the, the boss would, would, would be like, would listen and they would, you know, they'd throw him out because they'd be like, you got to fix that, man, because it's not working. It, it's, that's the longest, most convoluted story I ever heard. And, and it's basically like, you know, the story, the end of the story is, every local is responsible for their own for their own crap and 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 it's like well do they know how to do it and and the answer is some do and some don't right Sonoma County does and they're gonna you can have a high confidence that it's going to execute now but you know what about next door what about the county east of them or the county east of them it's it's and those those people deserve to have an expectation for what they're going to hear too
2: well, there's a couple of things in that, Kelly, and, and you're absolutely right. So look at Butte County, for instance, and one of the issues that they had over there, it wasn't that they didn't have a mass notification system. It wasn't really, I think they had some issues on how they're going to deploy it because of the, the concept of that they needed a keyhole people so they can get them out in a timely manner um, and I just I don't know what happened I don't want to I'm not blaming anybody I don't know enough about it to to point fingers but just from what I'm reading that seemed to be the issue so some of the issue is is who has like who has the authority to send the message and when and then um, we come into the, the concept of that the fact like Vic brought up that the infrastructure got got toast literally um, and You you know, so how did that play into it? I think Mesh Networking comes into play as
1: well. Todd, Todd, there's another issue that that ties in there and the infrastructure is only as good as who is prepared to receive the message. So it's well known throughout the emergency management community that most, and, and Kelly spoke to this, that there are different systems in every jurisdiction. The system that El Paso County, Colorado, uses is probably different than the system that Douglas County uses, just north of us, or Teller County, just west of us. And those systems sometimes are not designed to talk to each other. Two, this it's subscribership. We know that subscribing to these notification systems are very low. And to his credit, our state emergency management director, General Mike Willis, who I believe is on the webinar, um, has taken it as uh, as an action item for 2019 to get the message out, no pun intended, to get the message out throughout the state of Colorado to have uh, the public uh, subscribe to their local emergency management notification systems. So barring that, um, it comes back to IPAWS and it comes back to brick and mortar emergency notification system. So we really had not spoken about who's prepared to receive the notification. Just wanna make sure that nugget is out there.
3: And you know, going back to a couple of comments that have been brought up both in the comments section and also uh, you know, to one of the points Kelly was mentioning. So it's interesting with technology, right? Because people look at technology as a solution, but it's very important to highlight that the technology is not the process. The process has to be designed by the emergency managers. Yeah, the technology companies can build anything you want. But we're not the process. We always tell customers, we're not the process. We're here to execute the process that you guys have determined. And to that point, and also to some of the comments that were raised, you know, whether you are talking about reaching that elderly person or, you know, people ask us, well, how do we reach people who are hearing or visually impaired? So we added accessibility requirements. To the comments in here, people said, well, what about different languages? So we added real-time translation so you can content that translate that content in real time. So it's again as a tech company, you can always build what people need, but you have to have these decisions driven by the processes that are thoughtfully put together by the emergency managers for that area. And so, uh, I just wanted to comment on that point. It was sure, very- and, it, and it a just- couple
2: questions that came up um, right now, and I kind of want to go through them. One, I want to start with the, the the newest one first. Is um, why don't emergency notification systems auto enroll every cell number in the local jurisdiction? And it's it's pretty simple that right now, the way the laws written, we can't do that with cell phones because they have to have the opt-in um, option. That's the only way they can – they go in with cell phones. Landlines, we can still auto-upload, auto, auto upload, but more, so many people are moving away from landlines now that almost those numbers are, are useless. I don't want to we say have, useless, we but have
1: a they're, they're very restricted.
2: And even with the landlines, there's been some complaints specifically with, like, um, hospitals um, – uh, real estate agents or like some ones that came across that there are so many numbers associated with it. When you put a blast out every single phone in that area rings. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of to, to go with that, but no, I agree with you. I wish we could, I wish we could just take that um, really quickly. But I think um, also question, a question uh, that, that came that. across and we're going to get into this in a second, Vic, I want you to take this one about languages. Um, what can we do about a bunch of different languages like for instance here in orange county I, I forget how many different languages are spoken but it's i think it's well over 15 languages are spoken in orange county and it's yeah, like 33 a- 30 33 3.5 million people i think are in orange county right now and there's like 13 different languages
3: yeah there's a lot and, and that's why again so that's such a good
2: Vic oh, we just lost your your voice oh can you hear me yeah can you. Hear here me? you go. okay great i hear
3: you uh, so, yeah, and, and that's a great point. And so that's a perfect voice. example of where a process or a need was communicated. And then as the tech company, you can come in and say, look, yes, we can translate that content in real time. So one person's typing in English, one is in Spanish, one is in Chinese, and you're translating that all back and forth and bridging those language barriers. Perfect example of where technology meets a solution that has been brought up as a process by you.
0: You know, back to something that that was said before, right? So, you know, I'm an emergency manager, and so th- that's where, uh, to me, everything goes back to that. And, and, you know, the biggest problem that emergency managers have is not that, uh, not in a job where they didn't deliver the right message to the right place. The the biggest problem is that they had this amazing technology that had that had uh, that could do that, and that everybody knows how to use. And that they didn't do it right. So that, that that's the that to me is our biggest problem is that we the technology is outrunning us, right? We are um, we are uh, so um, tech unsavvy when it comes to these systems, and you know, and yet the public is 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 very tech savvy. I have a, I have an 18 year old, and you 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 know how tech savvy 18 year olds are, right? And so my 18 year old in some ways is a better communicator through these systems than. Than, than I am, or than, than the emergency management agencies that, uh, that that surround him. So that's our that's our biggest problem. You know, we, we can't. This is a this is a uh, this is unsustainable, right? We it's unacceptable when, you know, the boss knows what's what the what what the realm of the possible is, and we can't achieve it. Um, it's because lives are at stake, and if if, if lives are at stake. You know, we need to be using every every tool in the toolbox and, and we're not doing that now.
3: And then uh, Todd, if I may also, I saw one of the questions uh, pop up here about laws requiring uh, maintenance of mass notification systems, et cetera. So I, I'm actually also a licensed attorney. I'd love to speak on that question. And you know, the interesting thing that I uh, talked to a lot of our clients about, and I think it speaks to this question that was brought up is that, um, you know to the extent that there are laws that are legislated about what you can or cannot do is one thing but specifically with private sector but also i think more and more with government sector and and other sectors as well too as the number of the emergencies increase and the access to technology is easier the the burden uh, the hurdle to get that technology is decreased as well the legal standard of care of what is reasonable of what would constitute negligence or, or perhaps even recklessness, I think that standard is changing pretty uh, pretty quickly. And I know that you know certain sectors they have certain shielding of liability uh, and this and that and whatnot. But you've got to keep in mind that you know in many areas of law those standards they're, they're written um, as as what a reasonable standard would be and as you have other sites, other entities, other sectors that are raising the bar on what they're doing and the technology becomes more and more available and the cost of it starts going down, you know, real quickly, you're the odd man out if you're not adopting these standards. And I think you're gonna see that both being driven by insurance policies or lack thereof in coverage and or just uh, the standards of care and lawsuits that are really going to be pushing people. We're seeing that already among many different sectors. And maybe Kelly, I, I think we've is, lost time. Um,
0: so you know, it, it, it's you know what is um, you know what is required of us and what the liabilities are. I mean, those are always fraught issues for emergency managers. I mean, you, you know, I've I, how many times have we stood in a EOC and and somebody said, you know, I can't do that because I would be personally liable, and and we have a long discussion about. You know what what that means if you are uh, you know if you're working in good faith for for government and what your liabilities are. But you know, I mean, you know, to me, um, you know this this issue is um, it's very complex, and there are a lot of stakeholders. There are stakeholders on the delivery side, you know, on the emergency management side, and there's stakeholders. Uh, amongst our our bosses, the people we report to, and then and then the most important stakeholder, which is the you know, which is the children and families that that, that uh, you know are affected by the disaster. So so, but but and this is where this is where Steve's gonna gonna stop me, right? Because for me, you know, we need solutions, right? We need if I get in if I get into a room with a bunch of emergency managers and we spend an hour and a half asking the questions over again. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like you know I'm gonna, you know, I've uh, I've been in too many meetings like that, right? So so where do the solutions come from? the, the issue really is that um, the answers to the questions I think have to be consistent, and they have to be. I think you're you're talking about national uh, solutions. I think I think there's a le- it's a leadership vacuum, and I think I think the the femas of the world, Steve you know, need to step up and start, start to, to lay that, that, that foundation and, and show the wire diagrams and show the protocols and talk about the technology requirements and what, what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, what, you know, what, uh, you know let's talk about the, the hazards that we face and let's talk about what the public should expect that they're going to get uh, and where they're going to get it. Are they going to get, what are they going to get on their cell phone? What's it going to sound like? What's it going to look like? across all of the hazards that we might face. You know, we, we have to start talking about that. And that's the story that you tell. And I think, you need, I think it begs for a national solution. I don't think you can have, you know, you can't have local solutions. All disasters are local. So we can't have 35,000 answers to that question. We can't have 50 answers because we have 50 states. You know, we, we, need, we need one answer, right? And so that, that uh, so we need leadership there.
3: So Kelly and Stephen, to the points that are being made up here, um or brought up i should say then you know given that one of the issues is that was has been brought up is that you know people don't know who's going to say what what's going to be done who has the authority to do what while also you, you have highlighted the the valid point of needing to have a uh, a game plan that is standardized then is the proposal here from a policy standpoint that we should have a a concurrently a nationalized policy or at least a template that could be a kind of lowest common denominator, coupled with perhaps once that standard is communicated across so that people know what to do, having yeah. more people who are authorized to pull the trigger on that decision making tree so that decisions can be made quicker. Is, yeah. that, is that the proposal? That is, is, Am I understanding that correctly?
0: That's that's my idea. And I'll let Steve talk to it. But it, it also goes back to the, the question that Todd had, which is you know who's authorized to send and what's the what are the safeguards for that and what are those processes it's very it's pretty straightforward we developed it at, at new york city oem um, and and but 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 yeah let's have a national let's have a national uh, uh set of solutions and then and and like you said vic it's a it 's a baseline and everybody can build off of that but at least we've got we've got a baseline standard um steve i don't know what i don't know what you think
1: well i'd like i'd actually like to see and i've thought about this i'd like to see FEMA start a a national working group where they get uh, representatives, uh, state, local, uh, critical infrastructure, emergency managers, uh, all the 16 critical infrastructure sectors have emergency managers, and they start developing these solutions because I don't think this is something you can legislate, and I don't think this is something that you can have uh, just uh, pushed down from FEMA. Uh, On to other emergency managers, so it would be it would be great for there to be a national conversation about this, and uh, I think uh, FEMA maybe in coordination with the FCC might be best suited uh, to, uh, to, to chair something like this and I, th- I, th- I think I think with the right mission, uh, Brock Wong may be in the right position to, to really energize something like this
3: and, and you know again, going back to the legal standards. I think you're going to start seeing tort law really drive a lot of be, you know, kind of be the impetus to, to drive in a lot of this because you know, you look at California, we started off this conversation talking about the wildfires and you've got one of the largest utilities that's now, uh, you know, looking at chapter 11 bk and I mean, so are the ratepayers going to pick up that dime is, is the state is the is the federal government? And and again, I, you know, I don't want to be pointing fingers as as Todd mentioned in, in an earlier statement, but from the information that has you know, disseminated, it sounds like a lot of that has been due to not unforeseeable or act of God related incidents, but rather things that could have been done better prevented. And uh, you're talking about 18 of the 21 fires being started by an error essentially is, is, you know, kind of what the news is reporting on that. So very, very interesting points there.
2: Hey guys, I got my I got some audio back here, so uh, <laughs> sorry for the technical uh, difficulties here. So Mary, I think, and I, I keep I think it's Mary Joe, I'm ninety percent sure. Um, she uh, pointed out again that we have the report on um, alert tactics that was put out August seventh of two thousand eighteen, and has a lot of information there, a lot of discussion specifically uh, about some legislation that they are trying to put down um, on mass communication. Uh, are you guys familiar with that report?
1: I'm familiar with the state report issued on the Sonoma wildfires. Not, unless that's the same report, sounds yeah, like the so. time is right. It's different.
2: Yeah, it's different.
3: I okay. think this is the DHS report. Right? Am I, if I'm not mistaken?
1: Yes, yeah, DHS report. Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: so so there is some there is some movement on, on that end on the uh, from the federal government, but but I think at the end of the day, um, it's going to be hard for the top down from the federal government to to, to do this unless you tie it to money. You know, and that's the way everything. else You know, is. but,
0: but and, and I hear that about everything, and you know, it, it's a coordination issue, right? It's not a you know, you know, it's not a technical problem. It's not a, it's not you know, there, there, that's what that's what uh, um, you know. It, it's back to to Vic's point. You know, when you talk about a, a lawsuit, there the question is, you know, what did you have the ability to do? What 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 should you have done? And did you do it? Right. And you know, we're emergency managers. We don't need a law that says we can get in a room and figure out how to get us all on the same page. Right. It's this is this is what we do every day. And this, this, is, this is why I, I hear that from emergency managers who are like, well, FEMA doesn't have the right to do that or they don't. Have, there's a law that says they can't do that. There's a law that says FEMA can't get a lot of people in a room and, and, and have a meeting and, and put everybody on the same page. And because, because again, there's, there's no technical obstacles here. There's no, there's no problems. There's no, there's no uh, research that has to be conducted to find the solution. It's all about, cause we all, we all do it. It's, it, it, and we all just do it a different way. And let's just all get some agreement on, on a baseline way forward that we're all going to adhere to and start to consistently practice that and then build on top of that. It's, it's as straightforward as it can be. But but there's a lot of chaos in the conversation. And one of the reasons is because there's a lot of fear out there. I mean, if you look at what, what happened in Hawaii when, they, when, some, when some guy on a Saturday morning – you know sent a, sent the wrong missile alert out next thing you know everybody's gone and they got a new set of bosses in place the same thing in sonoma county the same thing is probably going to happen in duke county right so so you know it things are moving very quickly the disasters are coming you know hard and fast and so you know it's like how do we take a breath you know and get everybody on the same page that, that's that's all we got to do
1: but todd if i may the the message that kelly's talking about needs to transcend the emergency management community so kelly's right there's no law, nothing in the Constitution that says that we can't have FEMA assemble a meeting, but we need to include organizations like the National Governors Association, National Conference of Mayors, National Association of Counties, and et cetera. Because yeah. we, work, we work for those people. So the International right. Association of Emergency Managers and NEMA are, are are sort of a segue into helping to not only educate our leaders, but have them have a seat at the table so they can help us develop those policies. Because to me, it comes back to two things. It comes down to policy. It's two buckets. Emergency management policy, developed, validated, accepted policy at the local and state level, and technology solutions, a broad package of synchronized, comprehensive uh, solutions to include pen and pad, pounding the pavement, uh, and then high technology to include and. uh, And the various systems that we're using and that are currently under development, such as such as like it. That's that's strategy and tactics. There you go.
0: (laughs) And you get the strategy and the tactics married up. You know, things start to work. Right now, you know, they're 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 they're, they're so far from working. It's 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 not even funny. You know, we talked about it yesterday. I, I think we're this is a this is where we put ourselves in a bit of a crisis situation, right? Because we can't have a lot of these uh, disasters go horribly wrong on the public messaging side or people are going to be like, you know, what, what the hell do I pay you for? You know, get, get what, your- what, what does the
2: public expect from us when it comes to messaging?
3: Consumers, they- consumers crave content. The public wants content. Every time there's an emergency, all you've got to do is get on your Facebook or Twitter to see people reposting and resharing anything and everything they can find on the internet, right? So imagine if there was a consolidated and and strategically, you know, people know, hey, this is where you go, this is the Twitter handle that you follow, this is the whatever, and you can have this broken out regionally or, or whatnot, but people are searching for the answer. If, if the answer is there, people will find it. and And then, you know, that question of how do we get everyone subscribed or do we automatically put their cell phone numbers in it won't matter because you don't have to get every user. You've got to get a critical mass of users, right? If half, the, if half of the movie theater starts running out, the other half will start running out. They don't know why they're running, but they'll run. So, so that's the issue, right? Imagine if we could provide that. I mean, that would change everything.
1: You know, you know, Vic makes a good point. I mean, from my perspective, and as an enterprise emergency manager, we, we developed uh, a situation distribution methodology five years ago, and we started with our leadership and crisis management team. And over time, more, more employees in our, uh, in our working groups and in our workforce have asked to be added to that to that distribution. Uh, to this, to the extent now that our our standard basic distribution group, not emergency alerting and warning, that'll go out to the whole workforce, uh, is is uh, is is quite large and transcends our leadership and crisis management team. People want information, and where they can't get information, they'll fill the void by getting it in in uh, unofficial places, uh, such as social media. So we have to we have to sort of
0: yeah, and and at the same time, I mean, you know, one thing at a time, right? I mean. Uh, my job is to get the right information in the right place at the right time and and if i've got if if there are you know if half of the people are signed up and i've got a campaign trying to get them to sign up then i'm in the, i'm in a good spot from that perspective and if i keep hitting the messaging right and i keep putting out the right message at the right place at the right time people are going to see that and that that population is going to grow so i don't want to I don't i, I don't want to you know get sideways trying to trying to point to the fact that I don't have enough people signed up when I can't even get the right message in the right place.
2: Right. 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 Um, so, Hank, there's a question specifically for you. Uh, it's a lawyer question. So there's no lawyer in the room I think of. Um, uh, so is this correct me if I'm wrong, but with the federal guidelines on emergency communication programs helped her provide protection for local EMS getting sued by people who feel that the proper alerting wasn't used.
3: Yeah, so that, so this is actually a two-factor approach. So there are blanket protections, not just for EMS, but also for companies. And and where we saw that actually was in Las Vegas, where um, you know a certain standard of uh, of practice and measures were taken, and then the casino company actually sued the victims. So um, there are federal, state, and local uh, standards that basically shield from liability. I wouldn't call them exactly good Samaritan laws because legally those are different, but. I would say um, conceptually they're the same idea. The interesting thing that ends up happening is while those laws do shield, they usually provide, um, I guess the best way of putting it is certain criteria that needs to be met before you fall under that umbrella behind that shield. And so most people, most attorneys these days won't try to get through the wall and through that shield to pierce it. What they'll say is that the shield does not apply for reasons X, Y, and Z. So it does provide a certain level of protection, but it's not an impenetrable fortress either. And that's what I would caution with.
2: So another comment uh, from the uh, attendees, which I think is really kind of apropos, is that we do focus on, and, and what it says is, we focus on the alert, the buzz, the ring, the notification, but what we're not doing is giving the warning warnings. And, uh, what, what what to do where the incident is what's happening and, and what's related to them, do we do a poor job generally as EMS and Kelly I think you kind of were talking about it a little bit, talking about the warning piece.
0: I mean you know it's if you want to get if you want to get granular with it right I mean there's only two kinds of content. Um, and one is informational, and one is actionable. Right? You're you're either telling people what's going on and not requesting or directing them to take action, or you're directing them to take action. If you're if you're sending a message that that where you the government or you the emergency manager are saying we think you should do X, that has Enormous implications, And it's the hardest thing to do, and it's the most important thing to do because you're you're only doing that because people are going to get hurt, or people are going to get killed, or or, or 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 something, right? So you know the the alert or the buzz is is just a it, that's technology, right? It's it's whatever it is that's that's uh, telling people that there's a message there, either informational or, or actionable. Uh, we had it yesterday. There was a there was an Amber Alert um, here in New York City, and uh, and so everybody's phone, you know. Uh, the phone, it doesn't matter what your volume is set at, your phone's going to hit at highest volume, it's going to hit that same tone and it is, uh, and you're going to get the message. To me, that that is, uh, I just think that is the most powerful tool and we, we got to be ready to use it because the only time it's ever used is is on an Amber Alert. It was used for uh, Sandy when there, was a, when there was a flash flood warning, but it's rarely used for good reason, for good reason. But, you know, I think the public expectation, you know, to Vic's point is that we could almost use it on a hyper-local basis. We could Amber Alert people in, you know, apartment 2B at, you know, 183 West uh, 83rd Street, you know, you've got a smoke condition, close your window. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's, a, that's a tough standard. If we're going to meet that standard, we need more, more of us. We need, we need greater bandwidth on our side. And maybe, maybe the technology can help us with that. But it, it starts with the expectation. You know, what what is the, you know, Steve's point was the right one, you know, the, the governor's association, the mayor's association, we call that the strategic level. That's the people who are accountable to the, to the, to the uh, voters. And so, you know, what is, what, is, what, is, what is, from their perspective, what must we do?
3: Yeah, and to that point, I mean, the technology is always capable, I mean, our, on our platform too. If we need to, we will override silent settings if authorized by the individual. So even if your phone's on silent, we can make those emergency alerts come through. The technology is there. And the question I think that keeps coming back down to is the process behind this, right? And going back to the legal point. So one of the things that, again, on the tech side, all we're doing is enabling the process that is being implemented and developed by the EMs. And so one of the questions that had come up is going back to the content, the comment that Todd made and the question that was brought up, well, we hear the buzz, but what's going out in that buzz? What is the alert? And so we've worked with so many clients and their legal departments actually to create preset messages, whether it's for missing child, whether it's for fire, whatever it is, so that the EMs are saying, look, under these criteria, these are the messages you send. The legal departments have cleared those messages so nobody comes back and says, oh, you know, that, wasn't, that didn't cause enough panic or it caused too much panic or, or whatnot. And and it goes to the earlier point, I mean, tying this all back full circle, you need to get people in the room from, you know, FEMA, from EM, from private sector, government sector, legal. And if you get all these minds in there, there's nothing that is not possible. There's no law against this. There's no technical impediment anymore. It's just about coming together and saying, this is what we want to do. It may not be perfect, but it's a heck of a lot better than what's going on right now. And let's get this out and then we can fine tune more, you know, down the road.
0: You know, uh, just okay. on that point, one last point on that, you know, um, so, so in this business, uh, you know, we talked about that in Sonoma County, they got that group of, uh, uh, of uh, wise people together and, and you know, what went wrong. And they always ask the same question. Who's accountable for what? Who was accountable for what? Whose job was it to do what? Right. And so when we sit here and we talk about, uh, well, that family's not signed up for, for my alert system, that family's accountable for that. The, the, the technology didn't work in the field. The, the, tech, the, 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 the technology company is responsible for that. They're accountable for that. What am I accountable for? I'm accountable for the process. I'm accountable to make sure that the process makes sense and that it works and that I execute the process that, that, that uh, you know, is there. And this is where we're falling down on the job, guys. This is, we, 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 we are not, you know, we're, we don't have a consistent process that we can talk about and we're not executing it.
2: I wanna go back to a little bit of technology just for a second. I know we're coming close to the end here. Um, Aaron Silverman has been really putting some really good information up about WIA um, and about IPAWS specifically about how we can utilize that technology um, as emergency managers in the chat. So if you guys are un- reading the chat, please take a quick look at that because he's putting some really good um, um, information up there right now as far as some of the rules and regulations that are being put in there and, and, a, uh, um, and a link to that. Thank you, Aaron, for, for pointing that out. Okay, so Steve, I, w- I want you to go ahead and, and kind of take the, the last bite of this apple. What, what, are we, what can we do better generally as emergency managers for our notification systems? You, what is it? Whether it's technology, whether it's, it's a system process like Kelly was talking about, what do you think we could do
1: better? The first thing emergency managers can do is not be afraid to communicate. Um, there's really no room in our business for people that are afraid to send information out. Uh, uh, You know, I think Vic made a great point. Um, You put something on Twitter, it's retweeted 50 times almost immediately. So I I think the public or in my case, our workforce, I think they're starving for information. But I think they need to be um, willing and ready to send information out, and that and that means they need to develop policy. That policy needs to be validated, and their their leadership has to have that buy-in. Because at the end of the day, it's the local chief executive and the public emergency management side, or um, uh, it, it, from my perspective, where I sit, it's our chief executive officer that have have command authority to do those things. So they need to be tied in, and then. And then it's really trying to figure out what your local technology is and how to get the public to buy into into using it. And, you know, the use of iPaws and WIA, um, until we have a, a better mousetrap, I think that's what we got. And, you know, to Kelly's point, um, I think we may see more frequent use of WIA here in Colorado because of the tornado warnings uh hailstorm warnings uh the, you know, the the different natural hazard threat that we have here so our public may be a little more familiar with that um kind of flash floods are kind of common during the summer uh, monsoon months so uh it's used that that loud screaming noise gets your attention uh so until we have something better so for me you know, i'm going to say it again it's policy and technology and, and willingness to use it
2: All right real quick um for those there's a question that was asked regarding, is there gonna be a summary of the chat? Yes, I'm going to, I'm capturing the chat and, and we'll put this out um, as well. Um, and we can send it to you all via email if you, if you wish. Um, there was one last question and this is a really good one that just came up but I know we only have 60 seconds left. This is, but um, what do you think of notification fatigue? Any thoughts on this? And I think we should go with Kelly.
0: It's back to Steve's point. You know, it, it, I'm either going to over communicate or I'm going to under communicate and I can't under communicate. So don't be afraid to message you. You know, that's your job.
1: Great. Steve, Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I thought that we would see that, uh, which is why we sort of limited our our, our, our messaging and we still have we still struggle with what message to send out, so people don't constantly see messages coming out from emergency management that they don't react to. But uh, at the end of the day, I'd rather over-communicate, because if and uh, somebody made a point like this earlier, if somebody, does, if somebody doesn't want to receive that information, well, oh, it was, it was the theater scenario. If half the theater empties, the rest will go. So if half of the people that receive our messaging here uh, dismiss it, the other half will get it, they'll bring them with them. So I I, I think we need to – I'd rather communicate than
3: not communicate. Steve, to your point, people are talking and sharing information. It might as well be the correct information coming from the EMs.
1: Well, correct information is something else that we – we, we need to strive to get in any, especially, in, we're talking about warning now, in the early stages of, a, a, of, a, of an emergency, a sudden onset, no notice event, information may not be very accurate. So we just got to do the best we can do to collect that information, analyze it, synthesize it, and distribute it as best as possible.
2: All right, everybody, well, it's 11 o'clock, and uh, we promise you all will be out of by 11. Uh, real quick, Kelly McKinney right over there, he has an excellent book that's came out. Um, I read it. Uh, it's it's awesome. I reviewed it before. Um, I made the top ten uh, list right. that an emergency manager should have on the on the uh, on the bookshelf. So I wish
0: I had had a copy. I should be showing a copy right. <laughs> here, but I, didn't, I didn't bring it. Um,
2: Steve, thank you so much for your time as well. And uh, uh, Vic down there with Titan HST. Um, it, it, even if you don't use a mass notification system or you have one already, uh, please reach out to Titan. Ask questions. Uh, challenge what you have. Think about um, you know as far as anything, your communication. Always looking and always things doing better. Uh, I know we have a lot more to talk about this, and but we do have a hard stop for a couple of our panelists, so uh, we got to get going. Everybody, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we couldn't have had a, a great conversation, great questions that were asked in the chat. Um, we're gonna have another one of these. Um, maybe we could talk about the same topic or something different um, uh, in March. Uh, so please stand by for that and again if you guys are looking to go to the uh, leadership conference in may uh, it's the emlc.us and check that as well thank you everybody and have a great day